We're starting a new series today, and, and uh, I think we need it more than any other time, that there are forces that are fighting for our soul. They're fighting for our attention, for our loyalties, for our desires in everything that we do, and um, uh, the attack comes from outside, the attack comes from inside. Our own nature is fighting against us to pull us away um, from what God wants us to experience and to accomplish, um, as well as uh, the culture around us. Um, we are being attacked on every side, um, and not always in, in ways that we understand or even see, because it is, it is very subtle, um, it is very deceptive. And it is um, uh, something that, uh, uh, of course, um, would not be uh, desirable if, if it did not look that way. And uh, the, the greatest example of that is um, uh, we think of the, the great uh, story and uh, uh, movie of Pinocchio. And uh, you think of the kids that were drawn by the promise of doing whatever you want, of, of getting away from these guidelines and, and everything that, that your parents and everyone else puts on. And come and live on this island paradise. And we know the story of Paradise Island where the kids could do whatever they wanted and, and enjoyed life to its fullest. And yet what they didn't see behind the scenes is that slowly but surely they were all being turned into donkeys, which were then used as slave labor um, to, uh, to produce the mines and, and uh, the heavy uh, work that benefited uh, others rather than themselves. And it's the same thing. We are being seduced uh, into uh, a, a lifestyle of, of living for ourselves, of, of enjoying the pleasures, of getting the most of life, and not realizing that behind the, the the scenes of this, we are being turned into slaves, that we are being taken advantage of by the sinful nature uh, that is, is uh, coming against us. And, and yet we don't see that part, and it's hard for us to even understand it uh, because in the midst of that pleasure, in the midst of everything else, it just uh, we are blinded to that. And so because of that, we need to understand that God cares about us God loves us enough that he is willing to give of himself. He's, he, is, he is like Geppetto, the father of Pinocchio, who is willing to cross the sea to rescue his son. And God is willing to cross the seas, to cross the, the expanse of creation, to come and give us the ability to break free from the lies and the deception around us. And he does that through Jesus. And so, because of his desire not to control us, and see, that's the problem is many times the world sees it as God's desire to control us or to put boundaries upon us. It is God's desire to free us, and so therefore he gives us the armor and the ability to fight against this spiritual battle for our souls. And he has called and given us the, the equipment and the ability to begin to break free from that. And so for the next six or seven weeks, we're going to be looking at 
How do we take advantage of what God has given us to find freedom, to become conquerors, to become warriors in him, to where we are not deceived and find ourselves one of these days in that place of regret, in that place of looking at our life and saying, you know what, what I thought was exactly what I want, I now find is exactly what I do not want. But God doesn't want us to be found in that place. And so he has given us weapons and armor to protect ourselves from that ending. And we read this in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. This is what Paul tells us. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You see, our enemy is not the world. Our enemy is not uh, uh, those around us, but our enemy is not against flesh and blood, but it is against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. So stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so we see that we're in a battle. Whether you feel like it or not, We're in a battle. It is a battle for our minds. It is a battle for our hearts, for our desires. It's really a battle for our soul. And God wants us to win. That's all he wants for us. He wants us to have life. Jesus said, I have not come to steal your life. In fact, the enemy has come to kill and steal and destroy. But he doesn't do it In an overt way, he does it through the deception of pleasure and desires and dreams and hopes that pull us into places that then suck us dry and kill us. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. But here's the problem. That life comes through a fight. And sometimes we choose the ease rather than the fight. You see, to gain that life abundant, there's a journey and there's a struggle and and there is a 
discipline to achieve it. And so he has given us the weapons and the armor of God to achieve that. So we're going to look at today the first one that he says in this battle against spiritual forces, and they're not all demons, but they're spiritual forces within us because we have received that spirit of sin. David said, I look at my own heart and I see my own enemy. And so it is these spiritual forces that we are fighting against. And the first thing that we need to fight against the spiritual force, and this is kind of the foundation of all of them, it's the beginning, is that we need to put on the belt of truth. You see, the belt of truth, the, the, the belt in the armor of the soldier, let's put it honestly, it's what holds it all up, Right? It'd be a little hard to fight the battle, constantly pulling up your pants, constantly holding on to your, your weapons, uh, your holster, and all the things that hold everything in place. God says, this is the thing that holds everything together, and it is the belt of truth. And so today, we want to talk about truth, because until we begin to get a handle on truth, our life seems to fall apart in all different directions. And so we need to begin to embrace truth and begin to stand on truth, which is going to bring everything in our life together. And when he says, gird your loins up with this belt of truth, it says we need to begin to put something in our life that holds everything together, not just church, not just work, not just family, uh, not just pleasure, but everything in our life has to be drawn together, bound together in one place that holds it all together, and it makes us ready to accomplish all that we want, and that is the belt of truth. Of course, we know that during the trial of Jesus, when Jesus was on trial, the governor, Pilate, interrogated Jesus and was wondering, why are you bringing this guy to me? And, and, and uh, he, he asked him, um, what is truth? This was Pilate's question. Because the Jews say that, that, that you're a deceiver, and yet you say that you are the king of the Jews. So Pilate asked this question, what is truth? And I think we need to ask that question. And it sometimes seems to be a, a weird question because it seems like, well, I know what truth is. So it, it's kind of funny that we ask ourselves, but here's the thing, and this is why we need to ask, because the enemy has so saturated our minds that many times, even though we claim a certain truth, we have embraced a different truth, and we don't even realize it. We're speaking one truth, but we're embracing a totally different truth. And I'm asking you today, God is asking us to open our eyes and ask, what truth are you really living by? Not, true, not what truth are you proclaiming? Not what truth do you say you believe in? Because many of us, we talk the good talk, and we believe we're Christians, but yet our life is not being drawn together by the truth. But there is a different truth. And so we need to ask ourselves with a very open and vulnerable sense, what is the truth of my life? What is the truth 
that I have embraced, maybe without even knowing it. We need to ask this question, what is truth? You see, many times we have unwittingly or, or without knowing it, we've denied truth because sometimes we don't want to face it. How many know it's easy to deny truth because sometimes truth is painful? Sometimes truth is hard. And so we sometimes uh, uh, kind of just kind of forget it's there and go all around it. And in, in fact, uh, back in the day when Muammar Gaddafi was the leader of Libya um, uh, and becoming the dictator that he was, uh, the English... Uh, told him that, you know, unless things change, we're going to close our embassy. And eventually they did. They broke off all ties and they closed their embassy in Libya and walked away and stopped all aid uh, uh, to the country. And uh, Gaddafi was so mad that he declared, and this is, this, this is actually true, and you can look at maps of the day, that um, uh, England was to be removed from all areas of life in Libya. There is no more England. And so the maps even in Libya at that time, and you could probably find some today, you would see the North Sea just kept going, and it was bounded by Scotland and Wales, but then it was just ocean there. There was no England. It's just like we were going to wipe England out of our thoughts. And so he... He uh, tried to erase England uh, from every bit of life there. But how many know that that's fine, and you look at that map, there's no more England. There's just more sea. But the truth is that England was still there. Uh, no matter whether we deny the truth, whether we don't like the truth, whether we want to just kind of skip around the truth and ignore the truth, it does not change the truth. And at some point, we have to come into uh, confrontation with the truth. And so today, I want us to begin to grapple with that. Um, what is truth? There's three problems um, with truth that, that we want to look at um, that we have to, before we Decide because we live in a world that has these problems. Uh, first of all, the problem is how do we define truth? See, that's a big problem. Um, if you look in the dictionary, uh, the dictionary, this is what dictionary.com says. Truth is the actual state of matter in conformity with reality. So the definition of truth is the actual state of matter. So that's, you can define that, but we need to think about that. So if I define truth as the actual state of things, okay, the reality of things, um, we know that, that the reality that we live in is not always the truth because there are things going on that we cannot see in matter. So if we define truth by, by the things that we can see, 
by the things that we experience, that this is my reality. How many know that, that many times the reality of our life that we might say is truth is I feel pretty good, right? I, I, I feel pretty good. And, and so if I say that the truth is that I'm good because the state of the matter is that I feel good. And yet inside we could be a day away from death. From that stroke, that heart attack, uh, that disease that is about to take us. So, so when we define truth, there's a danger of saying that truth is simply the, the, the state of matter in reality. We can go to Webster uh, Dictionary, and this is what the Webster Dictionary says. It says, fidelity, constancy, fact, or actuality. So the the Webster Dictionary says it's, it's this, this constancy. The things that are constant are true. Now, the problem is when we define things simply by the way that they've always been, um, does not give us the truth. Because, see, that's the problem is we are so finite people that our existence is so temporary that the way things have been are not always the truth, because we do not have a concept that really expands long enough to understand what is really going on. And so if we define truth as just the way it's always been, all it takes is that one earthquake, and it breaks through, and it's like it's never been, and your truth changes. And so we need to be careful how we define truth. The other, uh, another one is Wikipedia. And it says truth is to be in accord with fact or reality. And many of us uh, think that truth is facts, okay? Facts, uh, things that we can see and touch. And again, the problem is the facts don't always show all of the truth. Science can only show so much. Um, because how many know that the facts of science cannot tell me the truth of love, or hate, or anger. Um, we cannot look at facts and tell the truth of someone's thoughts. Um, and so we see that that becomes a very narrow definition. And, and so defining truth becomes a problem. Uh, the second problem that we have with truth is an inconsistency in determining truth. And when I say that is, we are very inconsistent when we want truth. Everyone wants truth, but here's the problem. The truth I want in life is not always the truth I want in my emotions and my feelings. And the truth I want in society is not the truth I want spiritually. See, sometimes you know, we want things to be this way in our life, but then when we deal with God, well, then I don't want it to be that way with God. You know, I want other people to treat me this way, but I don't want myself to have to treat people that way. Now, we won't say that, but we are very inconsistent. We begin to become very hypocritical people. Um, that's just our nature. And, and so that's a problem with truth when we say one thing, but we do another. Um, and everyone does it. And, and you'll even talk to people that don't want God to exist, but yet they want people to be nice to them. And they want the people to be moral. Well, if there's no God, then who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? Then I can be just as mean to you as I want because why shouldn't I? You see, they, they don't want um, uh, to experience that, but yet they want uh, what they want without God. 
So we are very inconsistent in what the truth is that we want. You know, we want to experience blessing, but we don't want to have boundaries upon us, and yet it's the very boundaries that produce it. And so we need to deal with the inconsistencies of our life. The third thing is the lack of consensus for the basis of truth. Here's the problem. Who's going to decide what is true? So many times it's say, like, well, who are you to tell me what is true? Why don't I tell you what's true? And so we have this lack of consensus. No one wants to agree on who gets to decide what is true. So we need to deal with this, that, that is truth something that um, uh, we find that we all agree on? Does truth have to be agreed upon? Um, uh, can it be something that we find ourselves? And so with these problems, we find the answer in the world it is a never-ending uh, problem with these three. But in contrast to this, we see the Word of God comes to us and says that there is a truth, that there is one truth, and if you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. The slavery and the circle of frustration of these are solved by finding the truth, and the truth sets us free. So let's look at some views of finding that truth. If the truth is going to set us free, how do we find that truth? Um, the first thing that we see that many people believe is that we can find truth through perspective. That truth is perspective. Truth is what you see. Um, it is from your perspective. And so this is the, the secular approach. Okay, this is, this is what people outside of God that do not want to recognize a God believe and want to say is that truth um, is simply what you experience. The problem with that, is, and we all know the problem with that, and yet they still will, I mean, they continue to preach this even though, you know what, we have the same people who preach this that we need to be tolerant of truth, that we need to, to, to just let everyone, are the same people that are yelling against our country about against Trump and against this and about gun control and against race and against violence. But if you are not saying that there is one truth, then how can you begin to tell everyone else that that truth is not what they should follow? You see, this breaks down, and this is, this is the absolute uh, problem with the perspective of truth, the fact that you decide truth. If you decide what's right and wrong, someone else gets hurt. If we live by the perspective of truth, I'm telling you, sooner or later, you are going to get hurt by someone else. Because if truth is what we all experience, I'm going to tell you, there's someone to someone Truth is not to your benefit. There is someone in this world who does not 
is going to be living for themselves, and at some point that's going to cross your path, and you're going to take second fiddle. And we are going to be hurt. And at some point, you're going to hurt someone else because if truth is what you experience, then at some point, someone else has to pay the price. And we might say, I don't believe this, and, 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 you know, but yet, are we living by this? Many of us, we claim that, no, Jesus is the truth. God is the truth. And yet, you are living your own perspective. You're manipulating what the Bible says. You are manipulating God to fit your desire. And even as Christians, we do this, and we need to be very careful. Are we embracing a truth that makes us feel good? Are we embracing a truth that is based on our perspective? And we can all justify how we serve God. I serve God this way, and you can't tell me how to serve God because can you really say that? And yet we do it, and we feel good. You know why we do it? Because it justifies us not doing the things that we probably, if we got honest, what God wants us to do, the absolute truth. See, we hate putting that word in front of truth. There's an absolute truth. I'd rather it be a truth of God that I can kind of squeeze and mush. I like a mushy truth, a truth that can kind of fudge. So that way, you know what? I only want to go to church at this time, and I don't only want to be with people this time. I only want to give my money to this. So we kind of mush and do it even though the absolute truth tells us of 100% surrender, tells us of sacrifice, tells us of denying ourselves. And we know that our justification falls way short of what God would want in our life to become all that God wants us to be because we mush truth to our perspective. And let's be honest, that's what we're doing. And I know that cuts and people don't like that, but the reason they fight back is because they're defending their perspective and it's not about perspective. The second view of truth is that truth is tradition. Truth is, is the way it's always been. It goes back to that definition of truth. It's, it's, it's the people that are very religious. See, the Jews, truth um, was something that had been handed down, and it was this, this lifestyle that as long as I fit into that mold of tradition and religion, and then, then that is truth. And the problem with that is the same thing that we talked about where we think everything is going to be the same. Um, uh, the truth is not a series of rituals. And we might say, well, God never changes. And so isn't it that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And yet, we know that God says, like through Paul, that, you know what? Truth is that I become what I need to be to reach anyone. And sometimes I become different. Sometimes I need to mold my life into yielding to the Spirit to, to meet this need. And sometimes uh, I, I need to become more rigid and, and more disciplined to meet this need. And, and so we see that God is able to not change truth, but it is not a matter of ritual. It is a matter of seeking the Spirit. And it is a matter of yielding to the Spirit. And, and so when we become religious, that it's just a matter of stating a philosophy, 
You know what we do? We become comfortable in a false security of truth. It is a truth that does not encompass the full truth and is not willing to move with the truth of God that has a compassion and a desire to do more than just enjoy our own life. And so truth is not a tradition. It is not a a religion. And this is what the sad reason why the, the Pharisees and those in the Jewish missed out on the Messiah because the truth did not fit into their little definition of truth. And we need to be very careful as Christians that we define God in a very limited way and begin to put him in a box that we can control. The next thing is we see the scientific approach, which is that truth is facts. Sometimes we want to just say that truth is just the facts. You know, can't argue with the facts. Well, can you? I think we need to look and understand that many times facts are manipulated because we are all broken people, including scientists. And if you will talk to other scientists, much of the scientific fact that we will hear on our TVs and and even in our classrooms is very suspect because later on you find out that this scientist and him is proving this theory kind of fudged this information to come out to what he wanted because they did not want it to come out that, that you know, evolution is totally impossible. And so they fudge. And, and yet we live in a world who stands on science, and yet that science is many times so flawed that we don't see it. And it is deceptive. And, and so facts, uh, and many times we look at facts the facts don't tell us everything. We, we look at, uh, even in medical history, that there's a lot of studies that go on to find out, you know, uh, you know what causes this disease. And, what, and the problem is, many times they'll do a study, and it, it'll, it'll look like, um, you know, this stimulus is what caused this result. And yet, many times, it's not that. It's just that every time you have this result, this stimulus happens. So there's a difference between a correlation, and a causation. And so many times when we begin to rely on science, uh, there are correlation of things that will always happen, but that is not what is causing it. And yet they will tell us this is what caused it, which means we act in a totally different way that does not bring a, a cure to what we are trying to achieve. And so science is great, but we need to stop and understand that we don't know all that science is telling us. Plus the fact that, that within a decade, some of the, the, the facts that we had in science, we find out, oh, there were some other things that we didn't know because we didn't have the ability to know. This is the awesome thing about God that we see that throughout the Bible, do you know that the Bible gives scientific facts that for hundreds of years, thousands of years, scientists said, this cannot be. This is the way it is. And yet, as ability came and as more and more has found it, oh, wow, the Bible was actually true. How can that be? How can someone thousands of years before 
know that the earth was round and that it was circulating the sun, not the other way around, when everyone else in all of the world, without thought, knew that the truth was that the earth was flat and everything in the world circled the earth. And yet they found out, oh, that that was not truth. So we need to be careful when we begin to say truth is facts. The last view of truth is what brings us to where we're at. Truth is a person. Truth is not experience. Truth is not what we feel. Truth is not... Truth is the person who created us, who is the truth. He is the one that spoke everything into existence. Who else would know the truth but the person who started it all? He is the one who designed it. He's the one who made it. He's the one that set it into motion. He's the one that decided what truth would be. And it is a person. It is not a situation. It is not an experience. Truth is a person. And I think until we understand that, even as Christians, we are not prepared for the things that bombard us. It is only when we begin to embrace a person, the truth of Jesus. And we know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not until Jesus becomes your truth. It is not until we understand that it doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter what I experience, it doesn't matter what I don't want to be truth, Jesus is the truth. Outside of me, it has nothing to do with anyone. Whatever anyone says, you cannot wipe it away, you cannot erase him, it's not up to us because we are simply created and he is the creator. And so if Jesus is the truth, what do we know about the truth? Because Jesus tells us about the truth. Let's look what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, and they said, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying you need to know that there is an absolute truth. There is an objective truth. Objective means it's not subjective. It's not up to you. There is a truth, whether you like it or not. Here's what we need to begin to embrace. You know what will prepare you against spiritual warfare? Whether you like it or not, God is truth. You need to embrace that. It's not what you like. Truth is what God says. No fudging. And until you truly embrace that, that I cannot manipulate it, I cannot make it squish, squishy and kind of mold it into my life, what fits for my life, you know, that might fit for your life. No. 
God is God. The word is the word, and it is truth. This is what Jesus is saying. And what he says is the denial of truth. If you deny that truth, it creates bondage. We are slaves. And they say, how are we slaves? We believe in God. We're following God. How can we become? He said, here's why. Because when you begin to manipulate truth, you know what that's called? It's called sin. Sin is the rejection of truth. That is what sin is. It is saying, I'm going to follow me rather than God. From the very beginning in the garden. That's what Satan, did, did God really say that? He didn't really, he's tricking you. Don't believe the truth. That's what sin is. And Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. You see, you're those kids on Paradise Island. You think you're partying it up. You think you're enjoying it. And all you're doing is setting yourself up to being a slave for the rest of your life. Enjoy it because you are just tying the ropes tighter and tighter. When you deny the truth, when you try and manipulate the truth, when you try and do anything but surrender to the truth, you are creating bondage. But here's the good thing about the truth. When you apply the truth, it liberates. When you live by the truth, it will set you free. That means a hard truth. Sometimes that means opening yourself up to ridicule. That means you stand for the truth no matter what, and it's going to cost you. That means when you deal with thoughts of depression and, and despondency, you need to embrace the truth even if it hurts. Even when it doesn't make me feel good, the truth is what's going to set me free. I begin to think on the truth, and it may not always be my way, but that's the great thing about the truth. The, the right way is better than my way, and it sets us free because it brings us into the presence of the God who stands next to us, the God who stands in the fire, the sta God who stands through the floods. The only reason he is there is because we embrace the truth. We will apply the truth, even if it hurts. I will choose the truth, and it sets me free. It doesn't make everything pleasurable, but it leads me to eternal pleasure. Third thing he says is, God's word is the truth. He said, if you abide in my word... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is the word of God. It is what this book says. This book, I don't, if we don't like the guidelines of what this says, and oh, it's just saying that, this book is truth. And it's not a suggestion. It's not good examples. It's absolute truth. This book is the very guideline for authority, and it is infallible word of God. It cannot be changed. It cannot be twisted. You cannot pick and choose. Oh, I like this one, but not this one. And this one is kind of suggesting. No, it's not a suggestion. The word of God is truth. Jesus said, if you abide in the word, that means I choose to live in the word. This is the source of my life. You will be set free. John chapter 17, verse 15 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus praying for us. He said, God, don't take them out of the world, but I pray that you keep them from the evil one. So he wants us to be prepared. And look, it says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So therefore, sanctify them in the truth. 
and your word is the truth. God, Jesus praying for us says, God, prepare them, uh, keep them protected. And this is how you need to do it. Protect them in the word. Sanctify them in the word. Fill them with the word so that the word begins to be the very truth that protects their life. Paul reminds Timothy, he says, remember how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The word of God is the very breath of God that prepares us for this battle. If we are not living in the word and living by the word, then we are not prepared. And I think some of us, we are not applying all of the word. We kind of skip away from things that, that we don't make us feel comfortable. And we need to stop that. We need to get into all the areas of the word and begin to apply it to all areas of our life. So God's word is truth. And the final thing, we close with this, Jesus embodies the truth. It says that this word is the very breath of the Holy Spirit, but it also says this word, everything in us, the idea, the principles, everything became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is simply the embodied word of God, and they all match together. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus himself are all the very embodiment of truth, which is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in our life, we need to ask ourselves, do I look like Jesus? That comeback, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. It's the basic old thing. What would Jesus do? If Jesus is truth, when I have a decision, even if it's a little thing, ah, should we do this? Would, would Jesus do it? What would Jesus really, if you really ask that in your life, I think that there's a lot of things that we have organized our life around that if we applied that to our life is not what Jesus really wants for us. Is that really what Jesus wants? Now, we justify it. Well, it's okay, and I'm not really. No, Jesus is truth, absolute truth. Why do we not match our life to the picture of Jesus. I mean, and I'm talking our spiritual life. I'm talking our church life. Is our, is our church life matching what Jesus would want? Is our work life, at work, are we matching what Jesus would want? At home, our family life, is our family life, are we really being what Jesus would want us to be? In our recreation life, are we really being what Jesus, in every area of life in every area are we embracing truth this is the belt of truth the belt of truth that pulls everything together is not being honest and telling people the truth the truth is the truth in our life if we are to overcome this spiritual warfare we need to begin to let the truth bind every area of our life into a whole you can't separate it's not your secular life it's not your home life it's all one is everything in your life being bound together by the truth? And we all fall short of that. We need to work on it. Are we bringing everything under the authority of Jesus? If you're not, then you're not 
equipping yourself with the belt of truth. You see, the belt brings everything together. It binds everything together. Truth must become our core purpose, the source of our life, both internally and externally. Is truth what you're living for? Are you living for the truth? When we live for the truth, the enemy begins to be defeated. Because I'm telling you, when you are founded on the truth, when you say, no, I will, I will not compromise the truth. Jesus is my truth. The word of God is my truth. When I begin to live on that basis, I'm telling you, it starts to bring everything together. You're going to start to feel more put together. You're going to start to see that things in your life begin to match up. Things doesn't mean that everything goes easy, but you will see the truth begin to set you free. Are we beginning to stand on the truth? Today, that's the question. What is truth? What have we decided truth will be? And the real question is, will we come back to the truth and embrace Jesus in our life? Let's bow our heads.